Welcome to Your Brand Amplified, the podcast where we interview marketers, publicists, and brands to learn their stories, what makes them tick, and tips and tricks that make a difference. Welcome to this episode of Your Brand Amplified. I'm your host, Annika Jackson, and today I am here with Emmy Award-winning media advisor, creative economist, and host, and editor-in-chief, I should say, of I Have a Podcast, Vinny Potestivo. Vinny, thank you so oh. much. I'm so glad we finally got you on. Thank you for having me, by the way. Sure. I'm excited to be here. Let's like, look, I'm, I'm going to get put to work. I came with like, <laughs> I came I, ready were, to go. My sleeves are rolled up. <laughs> yeah, you work hard though. I mean, how many episodes oh. of your podcast do you put out? Uh, uh, I think, I think only 27 of mine, but hundreds of everyone else's that's for, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. Not just, not just as a guest, but in helping and helping people create, make, you know, being, being like this part, the being this small in the large scale, um, impact that people's, you know, podcasts and content having is, it's like the highlight of my career, getting to help real people make real content, make a real impact. Mm. With what we're doing on podcasting is like not I get it's a different type of energy that I get than what I did in the nineties and early two thousands with reality TV and MTV and, and yeah. we'll get to that, I'm sure. No, yeah. Well actually let's start there. <laughs> let's get into what you did and how you got to be the person you are and putting the energy into the world that you are now. Oh, cool. Well, I can't start at MTV. That's like where it gets fun. You know, if you want the real answer. You know, we like like most creatives, I would say, that have that, ha that have identified their superpowers, um, most of those superpowers come in the form of coping mechanisms for like what we've been through. So um, uh, uh, I'm a very uh, empathetic creative. I really have learned to be responsive to what people say and do. And I'm aware that people sometimes say something and then do something that contradicts what they said, um, but that's humanity. Right. There's an empath to me that feels out when someone is going to say something and do it versus when they're just trying to say it for the attention of TV. Hmm. And that empath part, you know, uh, I, I, th I, mean, I think that comes from, as a kid, not, not getting signals from my parents hmm. because of drugs and alcohol and things like that that were involved or not, not, not understanding signals from other adults made me start looking in weird places for some, you know, like we've all been maybe hopefully not, but a lot of us can relate to being in a relationship where maybe they don't love us. Mm -hmm. If they don't give me dinner, <laughs> that's the sign. If the, if the spotlight turns green, then I'm meant to break mm -hmm. up. You know, we, yeah. we start looking for these, these external signals that help us. And sometimes they're just silly. The green right. light, you know, I think we've all said it, by the way, if this turns green, it's going to be my lucky day. How about Yeah. <laughs> how about if you end the sentence, it's going to be your lucky day. <laughs> so set yourself <laughs> up for success, right? And and some of it was mind shift and, and mentality. Um, I grew up in, 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 a, in a family that didn't know anyone in the entertainment industry. I was told that I wouldn't know. And the, I was told the only way I'm going to break into TV, my mom told me this, is if literally someone finds me on the corner. That was the support what? that I got. Yeah, oh but I didn't know. I didn't know that was bad. I thought that was advice. You know what I did? My October 1998, I was looking through something called Backstage, which is where mm -hmm. people who are non-union can find non-union opportunities. Still, to this day, podcasts. If you're looking to be in a commercial, a movie that's not quite you know at the caliber of acting and professional yet, 
Backstage is a great resource. It's where I started my career. Hmm. Um, and it's where, I, yeah, it's, it's where I continue to find, you know, people when I, when I, when I was in casting. But just the, the, the decisions that we make, you know, we don't have to wait around to get discovered anymore. There isn't someone like me tapping me on the shoulder on, on a street corner saying, now is your time. As podcasters, as creators, we're making decisions on where, when, how. We get discovered. We have a say in that. Like, I want to be discovered in podcasting. I want these stories to be associated with me. Um, I want this energy to be associated with me. I can't get a lot of that out of Google or post or social media interaction, mm -hmm. but I can in podcasting. So I'm fully leaned in because I feel like this is the best way for my message to be received, not even just sent, you know, but received. And mm -hmm. the power we have now as independent creators, like, in television, I, I got to work with so many creators back in the late 90s and early 2000s. Um, so that's where I think that's where I learned to be. I turned my empath skills into a skill set that I could use that I could translate, you know, to be productive. I think mm -hmm. I think there's a part of me that's a people pleaser, you know, mm -hmm. out of that out of yep. that era of life also, which I allowed mean, me to say empath, people pleaser. Yeah, you know, all those things. That <laughs> Same. <laughs> You cringe when you know that you fall into that category, but I would be nowhere if I didn't put everyone that I work with before me. If I didn't have their goals, I would have never even dreamed of reaching as high as Sharon Osbourne or Ashton Kutcher or Mandy Moore or Jessica Simpson or Ashley Simpson or, or any of the talent that I got to work with um, at MTV. Uh, and I went to school knowing that I was going to have a hard time getting into the industry. I went to Wagner College knowing that, because of what I was told, that the only way I'd get in is if literally I was discovered on a street corner. It wasn't my skills. It wasn't my talent that was going to get me in. But it was literally something that I had almost, quote unquote, no control over. And I dissected this piece of information because I realized I have control over where I stand. Right. <laughs> so if I actually go to the corner, so to say, and I get discovered, then that's the way it's supposed to be. I saw in backstage a casting director from MTV. He said, we're meeting on 45th and Broadway, show up at 8 a.m. We're doing a scene with, with for Spankin' New Music Week. I had no clue what that even meant. <laughs> I was a senior at Wagner College. I turned to a couple of my choir buddies and I was like, we don't have choir today. We have to let's go, let's go into the city and see what MTV got in store for us. Like, let's, it's, it's a ferry ride away and a quick train. Who knows? <laughs> And that day, I found myself on a street corner waiting for a casting director to tap me on the show. I literally did what yeah. someone told me to do, which is the weirdest thing about it. But I waited. I, I could have waited on any street corner. Right. I knew when a casting director was going to be on that street. I went knowing that this is what I was told it would take. And I think because I had that mindset, I came in and I, and as I said earlier, like my, my gut reaction which is weird for most people seeking to get cast. Usually you don't bring lots of people because right. the more people you bring, the Option. more likely other people are going to be, you know what I mean? Even if it's just body count, I don't care. And it wasn't about me. It was about us. And regardless of if it's my face or your face, we did it. And this is going to be awesome. And I, I can't wait to be part of this story. And um, long story short, uh, it was a, a scene with Whitney Houston and I was, I was picked in the crowd to ask her a question. Um, the producers came over. Ananda Lewis, the VJ, helped me. She gave me my first media training. I owe her like my life. She opened that door <laughs> to me completely. I had to ask Whitney, what was it like recording with Mariah Carey, the Prince of Egypt soundtrack? Like you just finished recording with another major recording artist. What was it like? And I, I practiced and I got to do it to the camera. And 
in front of the audience. You know, I, they, they, they really rehearse you and get you comfortable being in front of the camera. And then Whitney came out and this is my big moment. And then Whitney comes out and I see the producers pull her aside with the, you know, they got the headphones on and mm-hmm. yeah, we got her hair. You know, I'm so excited. This is going to live TV <laughs> Times Square. So she's the stage manager says, that's the guy he's going to ask you what it was like recording with another, you know, um, major recording artist for the Prince of Egypt soundtrack. And I saw her go, I'm not answering that question. Oh, no, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm Whitney. No, 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 no. There's no, we're not talking about other artists oh my during this drop. Like, no, no. <laughs> I just remember <laughs> thinking my dreams, like this is, all, <laughs> this is what I was supposed to do. And my reaction, my action, my reaction was, okay, so that did it didn't work out but this was so much fun and if you if you need anyone else let me know i know dancers and actors and models and young talent in new york that are actively looking for opportunities like this to build their reel just to be in front of a camera and the producer said well actually we have a very busta christmas special shooting hmm. tomorrow with busta rhymes and he's going <laughs> to basically read christmas you know nursery rhymes but busta, busta but busta version and i was right. like that's right up my alley. <laughs> the opportunity I didn't know I wanted. And, right. and then that turned into helping cast Whitney Houston's It's Not Right, But It's Okay. Mm. And, and, and all the time I'm struggling with being a casting director, I went back to school. I was really upset that as a casting director, like, I, I kind of felt like a fraud. Like I kind of stepped into something that I didn't quite deserve yet because yeah. I didn't feel like I worked all the, hor- all the horrible things. I didn't work hard enough. It just uh. came to me. Like as if I didn't just work my entire life to get to this exactly. moment. Oh, like oh, it fell on my lap. I feel bad. I shouldn't have it. It's not for me. You know, I did. I'm not bleeding, so this can't possibly be virtuous. If uh, you know, yeah. If there's no blood drawn, right? And I went home to school, and I was so mad. And I went to backstage.com. It was just backstage back then. I'm pretending, I'm <laughs> pretending like this was 2020. Pre.com. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a very. They might even been on a tree back then. You know? No, but it was it was a weekly newspaper, and I, I went to backstage and I took out an ad from school. I said, "I'm a casting director. If you're looking to be cast in future projects, send me your resume and headshot." Hmm. One Campus Road Student Box Five Seven Seven. Like I didn't lie casting schmasting fancy casting company you know i was i didn't even know that i should or could have done that to be honest i was i was so excited to just be myself Mm -hmm. also i got into casting in the late 90s what that means to me is that uh there was a part in the early 90s and mid 90s where i lied about myself because my sexuality wasn't as accepted Mm -hmm. corporately financially legally spiritually socially on any level as it is now and i made some decisions to lie about the representation of my sexuality in my life i wasn't going to lie about what i do with my life mm-hmm. like i already in the 90s had to make a decision career or family mm-hmm. like i never in a million years thought as a 20 year old this is only just 15 years yeah. ago i never thought that the rights that we now have in place wow as of the recording of this podcast, right. <laughs> that, that I would be honest about that, 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 you know, that would be there. And, um, and I wanted to live in my truth. So I took out this ad, I got five to 700 oh submissions God. back. I ended up doing what I thought was normal. I went to Microsoft Excel and then created a spreadsheet because I had to do something, right? I couldn't just yeah. look at this. I couldn't just look at these images. I had to do something with it. And it was the act of creating that database that opened up 
my entire career. When when Fox News, I, I worked on a show called Hannity and Combs, mm. uh, which was back then Fox News and it was brand new. And it was a show truly about both sides. There's only two sides of the aisle back then. <laughs> <laughs> but they acknowledged both and they were pretty much on equal footing. You know, Hannity and Combs were both equally revered men who had a lot of credibility on that network, um, as opposed to now where maybe one might not have right. the standing because of certain political beliefs. And that helped me cast choose or lose in 2000 for MTV to mm -hmm. help the younger demographic understand the political process. Um, and I did a good job on that, I think. And, and then they had me work on those crazy MTV want to be a VJ. Remember all those like weird yep. giant things that my little tiny can do Excel and Microsoft access <laughs> database <laughs> was were the backbone to that. And when, wow. when the head of the network said, where's that guy with the hair? We got to go back in the tape and look for it. <laughs> Boop, 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 boop. Here I am, you know, like got my little fingers, you know, like a little operator ready to pull it up. Uh, and I had some technical skills. I could also wire two VCRs together to edit. And that was a weird skill set to have that mm. helped me at MTV. Mm -hmm. they, they were still at MTV when I got there working on beta. Mm. VHS has such a, a poor quality. Uh, when I got there, I showed them how to wire two VCRs together so we could edit in our offices instead of having to go to the edit bay. Oh my gosh, it's yeah. weird now that we can do it on our phones. That's like mm -hmm. blows my mind. But for 10 years, I was at MTV doing that. And then two years into my career in 2000s, reality TV boomed. My boss, so my boss created the talent development department. His name is Rod Asa, my mentor, my best friend, the most inspiring man in the entire world. And I actually hate talking about him because I'm so territorial. <laughs> like, I am. It's like mine. <laughs> but he's also Sharon Osborne's and Ashton Kutcher's. And like he saw he saw a structure at a network. He said, 30 minutes we need mm -hmm. for storytelling. Mm -hmm. Y'all are doing three minute storytelling, four minute storytelling, and you're letting artists already tell the stories. You're giving them music, they're creating music videos, yeah. they're producing the content. So like, let's just ramp it up and give them 30 minutes instead of three minutes. And the Osborne, Sharon was really persistent and saw something that we didn't see. And we didn't, wow. you know, who, who knew, even, even though the real world was at the Truman Show in 19, you know, there were, there were like these hints of things out there, but I'm surprised Truman Show didn't come up um, when we were developing Osborne's. But, but ultimately it was, it was, let's figure out what the real world meets Osborne's looks like. Right. And then, and then when Ashton came in to pitch, you know, the show in, in the version of punk that, that isn't what it is now and what, what it became, you know, Ashton's goal wasn't to sell a show. Ashton's goal was to sell the show that launches his production company that reestablishes him in the media industry as a leader and not just a quote unquote pretty boy or, or actor for hire or right. talent for hire and wanted to show that he was capable of, of not just understanding the flow of culture, but predicting it and leaning into it and, and creating for it and, and, and impacting it. And, and I got to work with all of those storytellers, yeah. Beyonce, and I got to cast her. And her I didn't cast her, but I was the, I was the, uh, the casting PA. It's so weird to think <laughs> that Beyonce had an audition for a film, Carmen, a hip opera. Uh, uh, Robert Townsend directed it, and it was Robert, Beyonce, and me in the room. Um, when, you, when you learn to work with, and you're in the room, and you're exposed to greatness on that level, and you see follow through. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't just see Beyonce in her audition. I saw her land the role, get the role, not get a single award for that role. Mm. And then use that experience to A, create Sasha Fierce. Mm -hmm. 
I I was part of her character development of the performing version. That's so cool. Wow, I mean, that I'm a really cool. tiny little alchemy in there somewhere. <laughs> and then ultimately that experience, well, I don't want to say it helped her become more of a solo artist because I don't want to take any fault or blame <laughs> for Destiny's Child. But she had her own career in film afterwards because of that, you know, experience. And yeah. I, I I take that so seriously when you when when you're working with people who follow through who know better than to self-sabotage who whose goals are far greater than their own reach could ever be that they need they need a global audience to help them accomplish what the goal you know that's like oh, i'm in love <laughs> it's like you just you just made me fall in love i mean someone who's got that level that goal that ability to create a singular audience around the topic and then multiple topics multiple audiences so there's a community that's that's like that 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 used to only happen in tv and and it happens now outside of tv and i'm trying my best to get it to happen in podcasting and more importantly for us as podcasters to be connected with each other yeah. so that all of these solo little tiny you know rss feeds podcast <laughs> feeds um, simple casts, uh, narrow cast, and then in television we have broadcast. So in this world of podcasting, where it can feel so small, when we do work together, the, what we can accomplish is ridiculous. It really is, uh, <laughs> and that's one of been one of my favorite things, and why I continue to like lean into it so much. Yeah, yeah so, oh, I love that. So you started out wanting to be in front of the camera. Hmm. Right. And then interesting you picked up on that, but yes, perhaps. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well that's what I knew. I want to, yeah, be a performer. And then you quickly found, and I think this is the case with a lot of people who are creatives. They want to be in front of the camera, but then they find that their true talent might lie behind it. Oh, um, yeah. At least for a period of time. And then obviously with podcasting and everything else that you're doing now and have been doing, you are getting to expend that creative energy in a different way. And and be the face yeah. as well. well yeah. For for me, I think I think because of my sexuality and the things that the, the version of the story that I told. So there's something that happened, by the way, in October 1998 that made me go to MTV. That made me put out a, a, a bulletin to 700 people and send. There's some. I, I went to a class, and in this class, I was taught that innately, and by no fault of our own, but innately, we're pretty bad storytellers. Mm. We repeat what we're told. And most of us weren't even connected to the internet at that point yet. Right. So we were literally my grandma's story of me, my dad's, mm -hmm. all the worst versions, you know, uh, that I had a story of me that was defined by bullying, that was defined by all the obstacles that I had overcome. Because at that point in my life, that's, that was, I thought, the, the sum total of me. Wow. Um, and it was someone who, who said, you know, like, think, reposition and, and look into the future. And, I had a really hard time with that. I, I didn't like the, the, I didn't like that, the just change your mind. And then all of a sudden you're just like a whole different person. What I wish someone would have told me, which I learned the hard way, but quickly when I, by the time I got home, I learned this was if you change your mind and then, then follow through on that mindset. Mm. So it's not just about saying I'm a casting director. I can cast you in something. It was, I'm a casting director. And I thought to myself, Huh. Well, what would a casting director do? I guess put out a call for people to send in headshots because I've seen that happen lots of times. So I guess I'll do that because that's what people do. And and to be honest, 
the rest for me happened because of the, because of those very specific unique people my first 5 to 700 kimber i know there's there's a couple of people who came in who i'm still connected to like anything i can do to get them a gig oh, anything okay. i can do to help them own more podcasts and own more space and they've been they just they inspired me to do what i did i didn't know what i i, I just know i needed to be surrounded by talent you know why because my mom would tell me when i was a kid that you're only the sum of the five people. You stop hanging out with those oh. five. You're going to get in trouble all the time. Mm -hmm. The five people, am I fine? If that works <laughs> on the low side of the totem pole, let's see if it works on the top side. And, and it really has. And that's where being a people pleaser and putting people first really helped me in my career. I wouldn't take any part of that back. I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't feel like I, I did. I don't think I gave anything that I, I don't, there's not, a, there's no regret, literally. And in 10 years of media, Mm -hmm. For me to literally, and I'm a very emotional person, for me to say I have no regrets knowing wow. what happened to people like Britney Spears, mm -hmm. knowing what happened to artists like Khalees, knowing what happened to, I, mean, I can go on and on and on about artists and, 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 and the way that people treated each other and the way women were treated. I worked very closely with Mandy Moore, mm -hmm. you know, at that point, the youngest of all those, of all those pop stars, then 15 she was when she started MTV. and. And I was lucky. Again, I'm lucky. I was lucky because my my brother and sister are born in '84, '85. They're millennials. My so all through childhood, all through my trauma, I became a people pleaser because I have the best siblings in the entire world, oh. and anything they wanted, I could make happen. And I didn't want anything because you learn you learn to not want something when you get disappointed. So you, you learn to I won't get disappointed if I don't want anything. Like what a weird. <laughs> I'll work with really, do you know what I did? So this is so funny. So this is my journey in 20s. Do you know what I did in my 30s? Mm -mm. The opposite. It's so weird. Everything I just learned and experienced, I was so lucky to not have to learn the hard way. And also, I was empowered. Uh, I got to MTV and people listened to me. That's why I stayed. Because I was like, yo, y'all, like, I come up with an idea and then we do it. And <laughs> you're like, okay, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I never. And, and I learned leadership in college. I didn't come into school feeling like a leader. Mm -hmm. And I learned student leadership. And I ended up being class president, choir president, a computer, computer club president. <laughs> um, uh, I spent hours in the computer club because I'm a bit of an I'm a external sort of introvert, as they say, mm -hmm. or whatever that word is. But helping people with their term papers and their decks and their their, their assignments. You would think I was crazy that I loved it. I turned PowerPoint into how to create a reality TV show deck. I turned all my Microsoft, I learned the power of a font, how a font can change the tone of yeah. a pitch. Yeah. Uh, you'll never see Comic yeah. Sans on any of my shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you, that just has a like common denominator, and I don't want that. I need something a little, you know, elevated, a little sans serif, perhaps. And, uh, <laughs> well, Comic Sans is. But, um, but I learned the power of, of, of that creatively and, and, and how to get a point across. Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe to set the point and then, and then in TV, you know, you sort of say what happens. You give, you give some information, a tape, and you leave and it's in that office. So I just need to make sure what's on that paper is going to continue the energy and the tone and the goal that I have in mind. Um, and that's why I've always been focused on working with talent and helping them get discovered. Whether they're celebrities or entrepreneurs, B2B, B2C, mm -hmm. there's a real need for discoverability. And I kind of geek out over 
some of this discoverability stuff. Yeah, I really, well, I really kind of put my the, the economy glasses on on this one. So like, I'm I'm really excited about what I'm seeing here. <laughs> awesome. Well, I would love to dig into that some more. Let's talk about discoverability and what you're doing now. So you're at MTV. You're an executive. You worked on with amazing people, amazing shows, things that we all grew up with. Um, I was I'm a little bit older than you, so I think maybe my younger siblings grew up with, and I observed (laughs) (laughs) some of it. You were like Kennedy. You had some. You had some cool VJs on MTV. Yeah, downtown Julie Brown. Yeah, (laughs) I worked with uh, Dave Kendall. Um, oh yeah, for a while, oh, awesome. Um, at a magazine in LA when I was first starting out in my career. Yeah, we both worked in a magazine called Raygun. So. Oh yeah, that's fun. DJJ's, yeah. Yeah, after his one, he did he did 120 minutes, I think, exactly. right? Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> that's so fun. That's it. I and I love that. I love that these again these these people at MTV then. Uh, Adam Curry, you know, one of the very first yeah. VJs ever is the man who's credited with creating this idea that there should be an audio file hosted someplace and something called a really simple syndication link, RSS, oh. that will ping it. He literally yeah. created the format oh for gosh, podcasting. And he's wow. the same person who <laughs> tried to tell MTV to buy MTV.com. MTV.com was, MTV was like, no, we're not .com. So he bought it. And then in the early '90s, he sold it back to them. I love it. He didn't try to make too much money on it, but he was like, "I told you, I told you so, guys." You, you know, I saw I saw MTV get launched in the '80s. I was very young. I saw MTV get launched. I I didn't really start watching it until the mid '90s when when we had it, to be honest. Right. Um, And even then, I really wanted to be a Broadway producer, so I didn't quite get a lot of of the, the, the current musical. You know, wasn't wasn't what I was really diving into. Um. But in the mid '90s, something magical happened at MTV. You know, that's where Yo MTV Raps came into play. It's where they stopped identifying as a sort of male skewing rock network and really opened up the doors to artists that specifically didn't look like Michael Jackson. Like Michael was banned on that network until they couldn't play Michael Jackson videos until 8 p.m. I remember on certain days, and then 10 p.m. on certain weekdays. Uh, based on FCC and regulations back then, I remember MTV really making leaps and bounds for for people who were being just flat out discriminated and beyond marginally dis- you know, marginalized. And I got to MTV at a point in time where the executives were females, and there were there was not to say a decent amount or the right amount of representation, but there was enough representation there mm-hmm. that I didn't do anything at that network from the day I started without being mindful of inclusivity. And, mm. and that was something that, that I, I, I knew was important because I loved the outcome. Why is it so important to look for new people? Because I want to find new things. And when I find something new, people notice it. If it's another version of something that's already out there, mm-hmm. I found that it wasn't making that impact. I, I didn't set out to to hire, and I wish I did, but I didn't set out to hire the first um, Korean American news correspondent on MTV. But when I met Sujin Pak, mm-hmm. <gasps> anything <laughs> I could do to get her that job, I did, and she landed it. And and I got to be such a tiny, again, like a, like I said with Whitney, a tiny small part of the alchemy of what happened. But but the community that saw her. It's like waving a, you know, it's a flag or a hand. It's like a secret that all, when you see yourself, you know, yeah. um, it's funny. You talk about seeing, 
people talk about seeing themselves in, in media uh, mm-hmm. as a kid. As a kid, I saw myself on two shows. Uh, the Muppet Show, I identified as Scooter. Oh. Very clear. So <laughs> I knew I wasn't a Kermit or a Fozzie. I was the Scooter guy, the little stage manager. <laughs> and on Howard Stern, I was Robin. Wow. I was like, sure, smart, intelligent, not the star, here to support the star, doesn't have any of the same opinions as him, but is able to, to understand and support the larger. Mm-hmm. And I could, I could subscribe to that. Delman on Regis and Kathy, Regis and, you know, Regis and Kelly back in the day, he was too, too much of a TV producer. Like that was like, I, I don't want to be so nuts and bolts about it. I wanted to get my hands dirty. And I, what Robin did on on Howard Stern was like literally like what I thought like I would love to do. I think that's what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't go on camera. I I did some shows on camera. Sometimes I, I would get in trouble. <laughs> you now the cameras are around. So I mean like, you know, you do a little diary episode here or there. What's so bad with being in Manny Moore diary? Uh, season one, episode two of Osborne's and who's counting? You know, like, you learn, <laughs> you learn, like weird, you know, uh, there's a I used to get <laughs> I know he doesn't listen, so I'll say this story, but Rod, I love you. Rod called me up one day, my boss at MTV. He goes, Vinny, what did we say about being on camera? And this was like MTV Beach House, Key West, by oh the way. Gosh. Yeah. And I was like, Rod, you told me not to be on camera. He's like, are you on camera? I'm like, I'm not on camera right now, Rod. He goes, well, I'm watching MTV right now, and you're dancing on a box, and it says Vinny, Staten Island, 21. And I said, like, well, that was like a few weeks ago, and they had no one in the audience. He's like, Vinny, you should. You don't need to be dancing on here. Like that's not a great. You know, do you understand? It's not a great look for us. And I was like, but Rod, I'm, we're in it. This was me. We're in it. I don't. I don't want to be not in it. I don't want to be here if I can't. Like, it's bad. I shouldn't. I shouldn't have said that. By the way, I'm not. I'm not recommending people do. Don't. Don't be me. By the way, <laughs> learn what not to do by doing what I've done. It doesn't work for everybody. But, um, but, but. But it, 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 but I got my way, <laughs> and he got his way too, ultimately as well. <laughs> and now, and now here I am, where I can show up on podcasting, and there's some trust that I was m- missing in TV that I have in podcasting. Uh, I show up, I'm in your space. If this is your podcast, I mean, are you kidding me? I, I show up with a level of trust. Uh, you, I'm already in, so like I, I couldn't be happier being here. You put me on Fox News or CNN or. MTV News or any broadcast channel where I don't have final say, not to say that I have final say even in, in how you edit this, but I trust you as a person. We've made a contact. Right, exactly. Um, and and if <laughs> if it's not fun to make, it ain't going to be fun to watch. Yeah, exactly. That, that's, the dis- <laughs> that's the discoverability part, right? All right. So here's, some, here's, here's what I'm finding. So there's exposure. Mm-hmm. Exposure is the first time maybe we're seeing you or the second or third. We're just seeing you. So exposure. So you go on TV, you go on a podcast, you get noticed. There's exposure. If there's an action and if that action is sharing, then that leads to discovery, right? Mm-hmm. So exposure plus or maybe exposure times action, meaning sharing equals discovery. If there's exposure without sharing and you're not sharing comments or experiences or anything that I put into this content, then it's entertainment or, or education. And that's, I'm very happy. I've been, I've created both. So I couldn't be happier to tell you that the trick to creating entertainment 
And the trick to creating education is removing the action piece so people can learn. But at the end of learning something, we have homework, we have schoolwork, we have collaboration opportunities. This is where we start to put it into action. And that's where the action matters most. And if that action is sharing, if after you've been exposed to me and I've done something that allows you to share my content, Mm -hmm. share a simple quote that I said, share my merch, share a contact that I give you. Networking is the most valuable share I can think of. Um, Share the experience. Um, You know, I think of my mom. My mom thinks she like invented my, not even discovered, like invented Michael Buble. Michael, Michael famously (laughs) did like a Christmas show and that he used that Christmas special to launch his entire global career. Mm. And after everyone fell in love with this young boy crooning Christmas tunes that the entire family knew already. Right. My mom went out and bought 10 albums and they were all in our stockings. And the thing that Michael did, and I don't know Michael, by the way, Michael Buble. So I just say, I just, I just say, let's just call him it's Michael. A fun name to say. Yeah, it's just for fun. <laughs> so the thing Michael did right with my mom, Michael, you better be, you better watch, your, watch yourself on this one, is A, he put those CDs in a place where my mom shopped. So she was able to find them easily at Walmart at a, at a price point that she found valuable enough to purchase 10 of them to come and, and share that with us. And by, by being the person who shares a discovery, what you're giving them the ability to do, like there's ego at play. Now they're the discoverer. They're the connector. They are the person of value. They are the person who now is the closest to you saying like, this, this, is, a, this is an album you're going to love. Would you rather hear that from my mom or would you rather hear that from the ABC, I think I'm pretty sure it was ABC, Christmas special you know, that happened there. My mom got the message from the TV show. She heard it loud and clear. We got the message from my mom. Mm-hmm. Michael gave my mom something, an experience in a TV show that connected to an album, a tangible piece of product that he could then you know, give to her to share. And those are some of the things that we do as creators, as podcasters, as mm-hmm. business owners, as entrepreneurs. These are some of the things that we do that, I, in my opinion, trip us up a little bit and make us a little bit more difficult to be discovered. Exposure mm-hmm. almost isn't our problem, but what happens next after that exposure, right. Right. we have a lot of control over. Yeah. So what are some opportunities for exposure that podcasters don't take advantage of? Ooh, uh, awards, first and foremost. And, and I think this, this probably answer can go through every single industry, every industry vertical there is. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're, I was saying, if you're not working, I guess it comes in the form of a, a, a bachelor, right? They have you know, <laughs> awards for bachelor of the year. And like, mm-hmm. so we find ways to, to lift people 30 under 30, 40 under 40. Mm-hmm. Um, if that, those are some national you know, level uh, awards, uh, localized awards might be best, um, best local podcast in our area. Um, it can be fractured by perhaps best sales in my department, right? So awards on all levels are not only just allowing people to, you know, sort of c- celebrate wins, but they're, they're just great goals, great tentpole tent goals to create, to incentivize people to know, know, know where to grab mm-hmm. and to grow. And, and awards are one of those things that after you win the award, you know, uh, there's lots of, you know, there could be a press release. There could be a dinner for the group, you know, right. for your, for your team. There could be a thank you gift. There could be a, a fun experience, a moment, 
something that, mm-hmm. that binds us together. The person who wins the award usually gets a thank you speech maybe and gets to acknowledge <laughs> all the other people that helped that award. So it's not a solo win. It's a huge group win. And, mm-hmm. and even, even, even Academy Award winning best actor, those, that person who wins that one award, he, they've got the most people to think. Oh yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, the list they've got. So these are not individual awards. And I think there's some shame in people wanting awards because of the individuality of winning. And I like to separate that. Also, um, you have to pay for award nominations for, for a good amount of them, to be honest. There's yeah. no one taps Beyonce on her shoulder and says, oh, Beyonce, great album. Here are your eight Grammy nominations. We're hope you're happy this year. Right. She has to pay for every producer attached to every track, mm-hmm. attached to every submission. Mm-hmm. In the same way I have to do it for the Emmys and the same way theater has to do it for the Tonys. And so I have a list of about a hundred awards worthy of winning, in my opinion, on my, mm-hmm. on my website. If anyone's looking for awards, whether you have a newsletter, a website, you're in marketing, you, you use a unique stack of technology to mm-hmm. achieve a certain goal. Um, whether you make podcast art, produce podcasts, mm. by the way, maybe you don't even have a podcast, but you're a podcast guest. And this, this, by the way, my strategy, right? I'm, I'm having so much fun being a podcast guest, but I am, I am really growing my audience as a podcast guest. And there's no cheaper way for me to get high quality content. And I say this with all due respect, mm-hmm. there's no cheaper way for me to have high quality content to support my message, nice. to show up on your podcast. Um, because to be honest, you, you edit this and you make us look great. And that's where our trust comes from. And I'm also, I show up with <laughs> Beyonce stories that I want you to have. I'm, I'm mindful. I'm not, I'm not trying to go into top 100s and drop stories of celebrities. And like, I don't think that that's like a fun way to build a brand. I think it's a fun way to build a community. Yeah. So I'm happy to talk about my MTVness back in the day. Cause that's my little flag in Times Square being like, anyone watch that show? <laughs> <laughs> I can relate. You might not know, but I can relate. I can relate to that. Yeah. But it also, it really brought you to where you are today. So yeah. 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 And and with them too. So that's the best part. When it was time to launch my podcast, terrified. And I thought, well, just get Mandy Moore and Jamie Lynn Sigler and Danielle Fischel and the people that I've loved working with, get them to be the guests because then I just have to be myself. Um, I don't get sweaty palms. I get sweaty palms. <laughs> I get this weird performative thing. Zoom has helped me a lot. This this idea of talking to each other mm-hmm. behind a camera mm-hmm. and it being sort of normal and and it is what it is. That that's nice. That didn't happen five years, even two years yeah. ago. That didn't yeah, happen. It's true. I think that that was the biggest technology change that allowed me to create the space to step back into. Um, making my own content and also at MTV or even in casting Bravo, Amy, all the housewife shows I've done. Mm-hmm. I, I do this for a living chat record and then edit my voice out. I was like, cut it out. I edit <laughs> my voice out of a final, like re, of the final product to the network. So like the network would get this, but it would just be you saying great things. And I put, you know, visuals and photos and show like what the real looks like. Um, I was trained to take my voice out. So this, this for me, um, it's a pleasure and an honor to get to show up and to get to show up on something that you own. I can bring that up because it's like so important. The, it's so important to to be collaborating in the indie side of podcasting right now, on the indie side of content right now with people mm-hmm. who have ownership over their 
their mm, products. Yeah. Property. It's so, it's the future. When Red Bull came out 15 years ago, looking to create content, everyone mm. thought they were crazy because they wouldn't collaborate. They had to own everything all out. Now look at where they are yeah. in terms of the content, branded content. I yeah. mean, they're leading yeah. it. They're creating sports. Heck, yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> they're, that's, that's community stuff. You know what I mean? They're past building audiences. They're now in the community game. And like, that's, that's where we as individual, as independent podcasters, that's where we can stand out. Um, also, I like pointing out that IMDb dot com you know the internet movie database where like we go to find our movies and it tells you actors and directors that that podcasts are a form of intellectual property that are mm. acceptable now on imdb so as a podcaster i have the right to get executive producer credit host mm. credit i can attach all of my guests to my episodes so wow. if you are a mandy moore fan you can go to This Is Us, go to her page, and scroll down to podcasts. And then, so I'm using, I'm using wow. IMDb as a discovery Amazing. method. I and actually it's think also I heard great. that on one of your podcast episodes. Oh, I love it. Perhaps. It's yeah, it's free, by the way. And That's I need to write I, this down because I am not using that right now. <laughs> oh, yes. So, and so by the way, I have a, a step-by-step guide um, for it. It's in my creator hub, which is always free. So the, the, I'm never going to charge anyone um, to be in my creator hub. It's free education. I actually, I actually have software as a service brands that are working with me that they sort of pay me to create masterclasses and I can mm-hmm. offset membership fee. Um, to walk you through that. It's, it's, you don't even need an IMDb Pro account to get it. And the impact is ridiculous. What it does for your SEO, what it does, what it tells Google, what Google doesn't know about you, it doesn't connect you and your skills to your podcast and your production company and your awards that you're winning and the guests that have participated in it and also your tagline and an unlimited amount of, if you're creating social media content to support mm-hmm. your podcast and you're looking for another place to hang it up, <laughs> I got another one for you. <laughs> IMDb.com. It's vertical and horizontal photo. Um, and then I think we're, we're in October now. So maybe by the time this airs, also I'm going to be pushing people over to Pinterest TV, which really? has officially aired uh, and debuts November 8th. The lineup wow. is sick. And uh, there's, if anyone has been looking for their, moment to jump into the next wave of what's happening pinterest has two huge opportunities that i find gigantic um one is called shuffles um right now is invite only if you're listening to this send me a dm and i will send you my invite code mm-hmm. um shuffles allows you to basically take pins and create collages so mm-hmm. you're multi-sourcing pins to create a unique asset that can then be created as a video for, for social media. And it's, it's pretty cool what you're able to do there. Um, and then, as I said, Pinterest TV is shoppable, long form, clickable, evergreen vertical content on Pinterest, which is already a giant, gigantic database mm-hmm. and search mm-hmm. engine. I think we all understand the power that that has there. Wow. So, so Pinterest, right? Pinterest adding videos and the ability to crowdsource pins and create collages also, I just want to point out by this time, then uh, YouTube is also launching what they're calling handles. So we've always had YouTube accounts and like you can go to see youtube.com slash C slash DPE TV is like my business is my brand channel. But if you wanted to go to my, my personal account, you'd have to go to youtube.com slash user slash whatever it is. 
so they're coming out with handles. So it'll be at Vinnie Pod, youtube.com slash at Vinnie Podestivo, similar to TikTok. The URLs will look mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because because on, on on as great as YouTube is for searchability and discoverability, finding people, tagging people, and connecting people yeah. isn't quite what that platform has done. To me, they're saying something about the power of the creator. Mm-hmm. To me, when they give us a name and not a number, right. <laughs> it's usually a pretty good sign. So yeah. that's something that's kind of a twinkle that I see that oh. I'm like, oh, I hope that pans out the way it could. Yeah, those are some great tips. Um, now, a lot of your podcast episodes are with people who have a little more notoriety, um, brand equity, credibility, you know, because they have been in the public eye. Uh, but you also said that you're really passionate about helping entrepreneurs, the, the undiscovered, um, through some of the tools and resources that you have available on your website. What are some of the other ways that you like to help people become discovered? Oh, that's so fun. By the way, but the, the several celebrities I work with, well, they're, they're just like us. Yeah. They're, and, <laughs> and maybe 20 years ago, they were more like us than, than, you know, than they are today. Um, and there's no one I really have worked with on the level of celebrity where I came in at the, where they were already a chart topping name globally. Mm-hmm. I'm brought in from the ground up, often speaking. Uh, it's, uh, I'm not a manager or a coach, and I have a unique skill set that complements those types of people. Mm-hmm. Um, for an artist or a person or an entrepreneur looking to, to create opportunities, um, and, and I can bring in structure, that's what I get most excited about. Helping non-creative companies function creatively is oh. my specialty. Creative okay. SOPs. Helping a skincare company have a stronger art department so they can better communicate the, you know, the, the, the benefits of their product or, or um, coming into uh, an accounting firm or a legal firm and looking at a closet and saying, you see a spare closet. I see a podcast booth. Oh. So <laughs> let's talk, let's talk <laughs> about, and then, and then for that purpose, even then, because I have a couple of legal podcasts that I help and it started with like, oh, we get asked to be on guests. So we're always saying yes. And it takes up so much of our time because we do two or three a week and that takes, you know, five hours. And I'm like, well, let's stop. They're like, no, we have to podcast guests to grow. I'm like, yeah, but you don't have to do it on everyone else's schedule. Right. Lock in three yeah. hours on a Wednesday and ask kindly if those three podcasts can lie, see if you can schedule them in on that Wednesday. This way, your lighting only has to be right. Your, your headspace can be in the right, you know, place where mm-hmm. everything is. You know, too much happens all throughout the week. It's really hard. And podcasting, you need to be hyper, hyper present if you really want there to be a connection. If if what we're doing is meant to represent who we are, not but not live, then like I really have to show up and just give you my all. I I, I fully have. <laughs> I do. Yeah. yeah, I think that is one of the struggles is um, figuring out how to best use podcasting, how to make sure that it fits in your schedule. I know, but if people ask, say, hey, I can't, you know, I can't do the podcast in your normal hours, I will work with them to yeah. figure out when, if, especially if there's somebody I really am like, oh, we haven't talked about that yet. We need to dig into that. I, this person, you know, has a lot of credibility and I really want them to be on my podcast. We will make exceptions. We'll move things around. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't say that to try. I'm not trying to be difficult. I'm just trying yeah. to actually be for it to be scalable, enjoyable. Yeah. 
Um, and for, for, for me to be able to show up in the best way I know how, and, and having created that system, (laughs) it makes me understand why artists like Jennifer Lopez carry a white candle everywhere they go. You know, like when you just really love the environment and that's what I was getting at earlier with, with podcasting is when you, when you step in to record and you have this inherent innate sense of trust, the level that you're able to dig into deeply quicker and stay there is far far more rewarding so to speak than than if it took you know 30 45 minutes to finally get to the point or get get to the depth that you wanted to get into and uh time management it's been it's tricky yeah, I, oh, yeah. I call it a creative obstacle because I, <laughs> it's creative, you know? I love that how do i get a 60 minute podcast into 15 minutes of time trust me i know <laughs> i I can ask my questions in five minutes and then you can spend 30 minutes just giving me answers and I can cut together. You know, like, so there's, I didn't even think about that, but like there, therein lies a way to do it. But, but if, if time is the, is a culprit, is a bandit here. And for most of us, it is mm-hmm. podcast guesting, podcast guest, show up on someone else's podcast and, and then do, do this. Hey, I had a blast on your podcast. And after this airs on your podcast, if it would help you, if, if, if you were to send me this audio file and I put it on my podcast, I feel like the people who don't want to go switching podcasts to go see what I'm going to say mm-hmm. on someone else's podcast, at least they'll get to hear what I need to say and meet you because I'm putting you in front of them the way they already know how. Instead of trying, which is a weird thing about podcast guesting, but trying to get people to go searching for all the other people's podcasts that they have no clue who they are. It's like going, it's like, uh, come to this holiday party at my friend's house. He's like, I don't want to, Yeah, <laughs> your friends. Like what's the, so well, that's my strategy a little, it's a little different than what's out there. And, uh, and because I work with people I've already, you bring up like the people I've worked with are people whose, whose careers have impacted mine for sure. And maybe I played a small role in theirs. Um, instead of sitting down with them once for 45 minutes, what I'm doing is sitting down with them, recording four to five, 15 minute tracks. And then for the month, for, for four to five consecutive weeks, I'll collaborate with the same person. And what that what I'll, that hopefully allows me to do is it doesn't force you to feel like you have to promote this image for your feed or this image in your story and this image, this one opportunity to co-post something on Twitter or to co-post something on Instagram the way we can do now. I'm giving you five weeks to work with me. Right. Things are going to happen. Holidays, politics. <laughs> weather yes. things that we don't have control over that that just because i only gave you one 45 minute interview on my weekly podcast and because it snowed that day and all the everyone only you know what i mean and they yeah it goes nowhere so hopefully this is my way of expanding time yeah you know? i don't feel so well, rushed with, with the time i i like that and i know some of the other things that i'm starting to incorporate into my strategy are we're using the video um, and we're posting the episodes on YouTube. Yeah. Um, and then I've heard now Spotify is allowing video podcasts That's and there's amazing. some other platforms that are going to start doing that. So we're going to start, I think, seeing more of that so people can listen to it. They can also watch it and listen to it. And then I'm also starting to put the transcripts of the episodes, um, which I know is something that you also do. Yeah. 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 And, and then my team creates a static graphic and audio graphic, uh, you know, so there's so many ways and so many touch points that we have. And as creators, 
when, if somebody asks me, Hey, can I share on my podcast or can you send me the audio file and I'm going to break it up and promote it in different ways? I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. I want to give, because we're, this is an exchange. This is an energy exchange. And while I like my guests to do most of the talking, because then I, that adds the value to my audience instead mm. of them just hearing me talk. It's like, I, t- I also teach college, which you're going to come talk. Well, they about. get you. Yeah. They hear you yeah. speak. This is another way to get to get you without having. Yeah. yeah I, love, I yeah. love the way you set this up. But I see it the same way. It's like, how else can I help my students get the information in different formats so that they can really digest it, understand it and use it um, yeah, for it. their next job, for their next business, for, you know, whatever they need to. So um, and I, I'm, I do learn a lot from listening and watching you on how you post on LinkedIn, listening to your podcasts, you know, your website, all of the stuff. Um, so Thanks. what is next for you? Oh, left foot, right foot, left foot, right. There's no, <laughs> there's no ending. Um, I think that I found a great stride. Um, I'm, I just got, I have a podcast.com verified on Google publishing. So that's, that's now starting to make a bigger impact for the podcasters that I feature. Hmm. Um, so we'd love to feature you as a yeah. featured podcaster and, and get that out there to the Google verse and make sure that like the, 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 the data spiders understand that you exist and you're out there hmm. and they know where to find you. Um, more collaborating on podcasts for sure. Um, I, that, uh, more sort of maybe I would like to, I'd like, I'd love to figure out some new ways to work in podcasting, more scripted, um, uh, find unique ways to collaborate. Uh, and I'm really leaning into the evergreen part of content. You, uh, what you mentioned with your team was awesome because those support the episode immediately and you need that to have to be shareable and to get mm-hmm. people to watch it. Um, Maybe I would, your team's going to hate me for this permission to throw in a couple of extra <laughs> deliverables. Um, don't, don't throw out Jiffy, Giffy, Jiffy, Giffy and Tenor. So Jiffy and Tenor are the two platforms that push stickers and GIFs to, mm-hmm. so Tenor does it to Twitter and to LinkedIn, Microsoft based, mm-hmm. and then Jiffy to Instagram and, and TikTok. And so uh, on Jiffy, you have clips, GIFs and stickers. Clips have audio. So if you're clipping short form content for social media, clip something shorter as a clip. And then it's something that people can use oh. as creative currency the same wow. way that they can with stickers or even just jet, you know, GIFs. And that's just, that's just one way, an evergreen way to maybe be attached to a certain word or a movement or, or a person and an artist or something like that, a platform. Um, and, 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 and set yourself up to let, to inspire people to use you to be part of the alchemy of whatever their desired outcome is. And by being in Jiffy and by being in Tenor, it allows them to not just like carry your ethos, but like use your likeness, use your actual structure to, to communicate. And for me, it's all about creative communication podcast. It's all about learning how to creatively communicate and, and creatively implement as well Mm -hmm. to a lot of people who don't understand the what it takes to be a creative for as long as I have been a creative and to have output that's consistent in quality and 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 you know so so that we're not we're not talking about legacy in the last final 10 years of your life. We're talking about legacy right. now. Yeah. This is where yeah. it starts. Anyone anyone getting on this digital path <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't go away. So you right. might as well start now. <laughs> yeah. Oh okay. So I, 
I'm already seeing. I'm gonna have to have you back for part two, part three, part four, part four. I love it. Part five. Sign yeah. me up. Give <laughs> me the, I feel like give me so the residency. Yeah, so I got the Celine about. Dion residency. I want yeah. that. <laughs> Vinny, thank you so much for being on today. You've shared a lot of stuff. I was taking notes of things. Okay, I'm like, More I need to, to do this. I need to do that. Um, I'm really looking forward to meeting you in person soon when you're out in yes. LA so that you can come speak to my class and I can take you to lunch or dinner or whatever. Um, and, you know, pick your brain and figure out how we can work together even yeah. more. So do you have a favorite quote? Uh, we may not have it all together, but together we have it all. Oh, I love that. That's yeah, true. It's really, oh, I feel that I, I'm feeling that deeply. I needed now. to, be, I needed to believe that when I was in high school yeah. and that was like my yearbook quote, I needed to believe it. I didn't quite believe it then. I'm glad, I'm glad that I stuck it with that. Aspirational for you. Yeah. It's, it's you, it's us that has made me, me. And I, I love that about us. Yeah. And I'm going to obviously link to your socials and Thanks. your podcast and everything else in our show notes, but what is the easiest place? Um, what's your main hub for people to find you and download some of the content and freebies that you have? Yeah. VPE.TV. Five letters. VPE.TV. If you love podcasts, go to IHaveAPodcast.com and say hi to me on, on LinkedIn. Don't use like an email. Like find some quote, hashtag LinkedIn is my uh, personal right. hashtag on LinkedIn. Okay. Connect with me. That's a great way to say hi. Say hi. And let's start there. Awesome. Thank you very, very much for this amazing conversation. I love your energy. Um, everything that you do, really, sh your passion just shines through. So. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I appreciate I mean, that. Thank no, you. No, it's, it's, I mean, this is the best kind of conversation. I love it when it's just genuine and I don't want to stop talking to you. I know we both <laughs> probably have other meetings to get to, but to our audience, thank you for coming back for another episode with an amazing guest on your band Amplified. This episode with Vinny will be out soon and many, many more that are going to follow up this episode. So keep looking for those after you listen to this one. And I'll be back again soon with another great guest. Want more? Check out AmplifyWithAnnika.com or follow me on socials at AmplifyWithAnnika.com.